the searing memories in my life is being in a children's hospital in Boston with my son who had lost his leg uh, to cancer. And he was under a regime that was going to take three days of treatment every three weeks for two years in order to be able to be in this uh, process or this system, this treatment that offered the best opportunity. And it was being paid for, since it was an experimental, by NIH. And they paid for probably the first four months that I was in uh, that uh, particular regime. And after that, it demonstrated some success, and they stopped the payments. But for all the other families, they didn't have the kind of health insurance that that had. It was $3,000 for every family every three weeks. And I listened to these families who's had their children had the same kind of affliction that my child have. And they said, look, we've sold our house. We have the $30,000. We have $20,000. We're able to afford it for three months, for four months, for five months. What kind of chance does my child have to be able to survive? I knew that my child was going to have the best because I had the health insurance of the United States Senate. And I knew that no one, no parent, no parent in that hospital had the kind of coverage that I had. That kind of choice for any parent in this country is absolutely unacceptable and wrong, my friends. And I can tell you this. When every member of the United States Senate comes in and signs into the United States Senate, they signed a little card in two places. And one is their signature for their salary, and the other is for their health insurance. Their health insurance. Now, Senator Brown of Ohio, to his credit, will not accept it until the people of Ohio get it. Every other member of the United States Senate, every other member of the United States Senate has accepted it. And for the 15 times that I have fought on the floor of the United States Senate that we ought to have universal comprehensive coverage and to listen to those voices on the other side that have universal and comprehensive coverage and say, no, it is not time. We can't afford it. It's the wrong bill at the wrong time. My friends, if that health insurance is good enough for the members of the Congress of the United States and good enough for the President of the United States. It's good enough for everybody in Montgomery County, everyone in Pennsylvania, and everyone across this country. Welcome back to Single Payer Radio. Single Payer Radio is a project of Kentuckians for Single Payer Healthcare. We are an affiliate of the Kentucky chapter of Physicians for a National Health Program. And we're proud to be a community partner with Forward Radio, WFMP LP 1065. Please join our community, especially this Thursday, September the 17th, for Give for Good Louisville Day, the biggest fundraiser day for Forward Radio. Forward Radio receives additional funding from the Louisville Community Foundation for donations received for good 
Give for Good Day. You can go to forwardradio.org and click on the box on the homepage marked Support Forward Radio September 17th, Good Give for Good. It's easy. And please give what you can. No donation is too small. Forward Radio is a real gem, and let's keep her going. Forwardradio.org this Thursday, Give for Good. And let me say the views and opinions expressed here on Forward Radio are those of the speakers and not the station. And speaking of gems, joining me again in the studio are Dr. Mike Flynn and Dr. Gene Shively, as they have been here in the studio for this year's Single Payer Radio. And speaking of Give for Good, our guests today have been giving Louisville good for decades. Dr. Garrett Adams, past national president of Physicians for a National Health Program, and our state uh, PNHP chapter, point person, and Kay Tillo, chairperson of Kentuckians for Single Payer Healthcare, who brings decades of experience fighting for civil rights, worker rights, and healthcare justice. I attended a compelling presentation on single payer given by Dr. Adams at an America 2000 meeting around, I think it was 2004, Dr. Adams, and the rest is history. You sold me on it that day, and I thought, why aren't we doing this? So, Dr. Adams, Kay, welcome to Single Payer Radio, and we'll let you guys uh, uh, start off by saying a few words, and then Dr. Flynn and Dr. Shively will chime in with their questions. Thank you so much, Mark. Um, and uh, I, I remember that that day. I remember that night. I remember where we were. And uh, those were the days. It's taken us a long time to get it done, Mark. <laughs> Just keep keep hammering away. But That's thank you for the, for your work with Forward Radio and for the opportunity to be with y'all. And thanks to Mike <clears throat> and Gene for wonderful programs. I've really enjoyed what I've heard so far, and I appreciate the opportunity to be with you and to be on this with uh, one of the smartest people about healthcare policy in the United States. Uh, and it's a real pleasure and a privilege to work with Kay. I learn a lot every time I work with Kay. Wow. <laughs> Thank you, Garrett. You are much too kind with that. I'm just thrilled that we have uh, single payer radio up on the air with a weekly program. And I thank Mike and Jean for, and Mark for making that happen. And um, it's been a, a joy to work on single payer uh, since the founding of our organization in 2004. And um, I do believe that the work that we do makes a difference and that we are closer because we are building a national movement and understanding that will have to be the pressure that finally gets the country to go where the rest of the industrialized nations have gone long before us. And we have to remove the private for-profit industry from our healthcare system 
you know, they um, are a contradiction because they sit in the decision-making position, the insurance company, and their interest is the opposite of the patient. Their profits are increased when they deny care. So it shouldn't be that way. And uh, that's what we're working to change. And I do believe that all of us together are going to be able to do that. All right, let me, uh, let me begin with the usual disclaimer that uh, any uh, views that I express uh, are my personal views and do not represent the views of the Department of Surgery or of the University of Louisville. I would like to uh, say that my views are my own and do not represent the views of Taylor Regional Hospital nor the Department of Surgery at the University of Louisville. Uh, KU um, brought up um, some interesting uh, questions. Um, and uh, I got a uh, phone call from um, uh, an orthopedic surgeon who I grew up with in Campbellsville. And he'd been listening to some of our uh, podcasts. And one of the things he was interested in since he had just retired from the VA is who's going to be in control of this uh, Medicare for all? Is it going to be the bureaucrats or is it going to be the doctors? That's the question. Who's going to be in control? The doctors taking care of patients or the bureaucrats? Oh, the doctors have to be in control of making the decisions about patient care. It shouldn't be any other way. Well, you also brought up about uh, for-profit insurance companies uh, and uh, also for-profit hospitals. What would happen to, the, to these insurance companies? For example, in Louisville, Humanoc hires uh, about 12,000 people. What would happen to these companies and uh, what would, about the economic impact of laying off 12,000 people? Well, the, um, the legislation uh, that would uh, make single-payer health care happen uh, will provide for a transition for the workers within that industry because uh, uh, they will need jobs and uh, it will make uh, provisions for them to have a transition to a better job you know it can't be much fun sitting in an office and turning down claims so um, uh, people will have an opportunity to do better work and uh, um, that's what will happen we have to make arrangements through the legislation to assure that the people who work in that industry are provided for with alternative jobs um, and uh, Humana can make money some other way, not exploiting patients. Uh, Garrett, uh, <clears throat> uh, back in uh, December of 2019, I, I did a grand surgical grand rounds on healthcare in America. And, and in a very abbreviated way, we, we talked about a lot of the issues that Gene and I and Mark have talked about in, in these programs. And at the end, <clears throat> one of the faculty members uh, made a comment, which I, I'd like to uh, aim at you and let you respond to it. Uh, and the question, the comment was that that uh, 
not only the physicians, but um, a lot of just the, 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 the man in the street really don't understand what, when you say single payer or Medicare for all, they don't understand what it is. Uh, you know, some people think it's going to be a, a, an entire rearrangement of the healthcare system like they've got in Britain. So maybe you could uh, take a few minutes and uh, explain to our listeners, uh, <laughs> whoever they are, uh, exactly what single payer would would uh, is would be, uh, <clears throat> assuming we get to the point where we can actually have this um, uh, in the country. It's a great question. Uh, I have a have an answer, and I'll give you the answer that. Uh, is is pre has been prepared in the past just for that question. The question is, what exactly is single payer? <clears throat> Physicians' proposal for a national health plan, which I first read in my uh, when I was uh, the uh, Director of Communicable Diseases at the Louisville Jefferson County Health Department in 2003. I still remember the time and, and the day when I read this uh, in JAMA, and I'm, I'm going to paraphrase that in just a few minutes, but uh, <clears throat> initially uh, the physician's proposal for a national health plan uh, was the, the uh, answer to single payer and it, the proposal was put into language in a, a bill in Congress that Congressman John Conyers put forward, House Resolution 676, which was the roadmap to single payer. And the message is that single payer replaces the health insurance industry. I'll repeat that. Single payer replaces the health insurance industry and substitutes cost efficient central planning for market based healthcare profiteering. The term single payer means that one fund, administered by a nonprofit government agency accountable to the public, would make payment for all medical services, period. So that's, that's the short answer. And I want to just go over since, because we refer to the <clears throat> physician's proposal frequently. What is the physician's proposal? And I've taken uh, the points that are in the uh, proposal and uh, sort of shortened them a little bit so that we could just kind of go down through the list because some of these uh, other questions that you and Jean have, pro have proposed to, have posed to Kay and I can be answered in, in the uh, proposal itself, <clears throat> which was restated uh, since 2003, it was restated in 2018 in the American Journal of Public Health. Number one, removes all financial barriers to medical care saves enough on administrative overhead to provide comprehensive coverage to the uninsured <clears throat> and to upgrade coverage for everyone else. <clears throat> That's the underinsured. 
thus requiring no increase in total health spending, puts in place effective mechanisms to control costs, lowering the, the rate of medical inflation, <coughs> pardon me, <coughs> and making the health system sustainable for future generations restores free choice of clinician and hospital to all Americans. Every resident of the United States, including all immigrants, is covered for all necessary medical care. A national health program card entitles patients to care at any hospital or doctor's office provides coverage for outpatient and inpatient medical care, as well as rehabilitation, mental care, and long-term care, dental services, and prescription drugs. Improves on traditional Medicare's benefits and expands coverage to all Americans. <clears throat> Eliminates premiums, co-pays, deductibles, and co-insurance is federally financed like Medicare and administered by federal, state, and regional boards. 676 emphasized the physician component and physician leadership in all of those boards. Private insurance that duplicates the national health coverage is prohibited. The initial increase in government costs is fully offset by savings in premiums and out-of-pocket costs. Hospitals and other health facilities will be on a budget. Most remain privately owned and operated, receiving an annual global lump sum budget from the national program to cover all operating costs. Physicians are paid based on simple fee schedule covering all patients or by salary. Medications are purchased wholesale. It's paid for by combining current government health spending into a single fund with modest new progressive taxes fully offset by reductions in premiums and out-of-pocket spending. That is the physician's proposal, which uh, is the, it's basically the constitution, I might say, for uh, the physicians for a national health program and for Kentuckians for single payer health care. Garrett, when I was asked that question, I simply told the, uh, uh, <clears throat> made the, uh, the answer that this was a government-run um, health insurance program. And then the next question I was asked was whether this was going to be run by the federal government, the state government, a local government, or some sort of combination the way it is in Canada, where the federal government provides the money, but the provinces do you know, actually implement the healthcare system, and it's a little different in each province. So, how, how do you how do you answer that question to the to the you know the the questioner back at Grand Rounds in December of 2019? Well, well, the the basic point, uh, Mike, is that it's a, it's a government payment program. It's 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 so the the government simply pays the bills. 
and the delivery of health care in this country would remain private. Yes. So, but which so, government? So, which government and, does what? Or you know? Or does it stay? Well, the bill goes just just like your your friend Dr. Young in in uh, Hamilton, Ontario. Uh, he, he submits his bills to the to the uh, Canadian Medicare, and Canadian Medicare pays him. And yeah, that's the way. That's the way it would do. Within the month, yeah. <laughs> yes. We, we had we had I've, whole... I've heard that same story uh, yes. a good friend of ours uh, Jason Kelly visited his friend in Canada and this his friend in Canada uh, Jason said how do you get paid and he, he turned to the assistant in the in the ICU and said show him how we get paid and she pulls out a little sheet and uh, then they they get paid and the check comes in the mail and that's it yeah that that's that's good i the the, the again the issue is uh, there's a lot of a lack of understanding of what these terms mean out out in the world gene you have a question yeah so essentially you're proposing that uh, all the insurance would be paid by the federal government and the physicians and hospitals would submit their bills to the federal government. Exactly. And, okay. And what will we do about the waste in uh, uh, healthcare? For example, we're the only country in the world that allows pharmaceuticals, doctors, and hospitals to advertise. How would we deal with those type of problems? Um. Well, the, um, um, for the pharmaceutical companies, uh, the plan is to um, use monopsony buying power, the fact that there will be only one purchaser of drugs to force the companies to have to deal and to sell them at a reasonable rate. Um, so that's, you know, that's what's been denied us in this country. There were efforts to do that before when they established part D of the, you know, the Medicare pharmaceutical plan, but they made sure the, you know, they were in their lobby and the pharmaceutical companies to make sure that that wasn't in there, the ability to negotiate the rate stand. So that's how that would be dealt with. Most of the waste in our system is caused by the effort to turn it into a profit-making business. All of that administrative cost is, uh, you know, the, all of these utilization reviews, all of these things, uh, all the questioning of physicians' opinions relate to the effort of the companies to expand their profit and reduce their costs and reduce the care. So if we take that out, um, that uh, is about 30% of the cost in this country and we can reduce that and of course use that money to do expand care and uh, that's the, that's the plan that's what's so good about it is that it removes the administrative waste and that's what didn't happen with the affordable care act it not only kept the administrative waste it expanded it because it did further uh, attempts to regulate the insurance industry 
building in, you know, layer after layer of administrative work. Uh, the simplification of the plan is the strong point, and that's what allows it to be streamlined as a single-payer plan and to save the money. Uh, in the PHNP model, what services would be included? Uh, we learned when we talked with Ted Young uh, that in the Canadian system, it covers the hospital and the physician services. There's some other little things here and there, but the, uh, the people for dental, hearing, uh, and even for some uh, prescriptions, they've got to either get additional, they've, they've got to get another additional insurance uh, option to be able to get some of the 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 medical services that are that don't in, that are not hospital and physician and maybe some pharmacy I I have to, I can't remember exactly what he said uh, so th th there is the need for dental and hearing and vision yeah. to have yeah. some other some other yeah. uh, options so what what all's covered in in the model of 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 Medicare for all that you're you're proposing. Our, our model, uh, our model, Mike, Mike covers everything, and the, the payment for pharmaceuticals is a, a sticking point in Canada. That's the, they they have that's the that's the one area that I've heard some complaint about. In addition to some complaints about uh, non-emergent wait times for certain surgeries, uh, but that's the the pharmaceuticals, but. Uh, I can't see Gene ask about uh, advertising pharmaceuticals over television. I can't see that happening um, with with the single payer plan. Uh, and uh, as far as as uh, dental, hearing, and even long term care are considered medically necessary. Uh, services that would be included in the in our plan, the PNHP supported proposal. Okay, thanks. So I assume that the ACA, so-called Obamacare, would be eliminated and incorporated into uh, the single payer plan. Uh, that's right. Um, uh, not eliminated because if the Supreme Court threw it out and people lost their insurance but eliminated in the sense that it would be replaced by something better. People would not lose their insurance. They would get better insurance and everybody would be automatically included uh, cradle to grave in a plan that uh, where they paid no premiums and chose their own doctors and paid no co-pays and actually could stop worrying about losing their insurance as people do these days, as so many people are being laid off and we have an employment-based system that endangers everyone. Now in most countries and including England, which is a very socialized system, uh, would they still have some private insurance if you can afford it? Would you, would we, uh, under this system, would uh, wealthy people be allowed to purchase private insurance? They, 
No, if if it if it duplicates uh, a service that's uh, available in the in the government funded program, uh, that would not be permitted under the under the system. If it duplicates, but if it's uh, say uh, uh, say uh, surge, um, I'm trying to think, cosmetic surgery, uh, for example. Uh, would could be done, but if it's uh, say <clears throat> uh, uh, heart surgery or even transplant, uh, that would not be permitted. You mean I couldn't get my nose fixed under Medicare for all, Garrett? I mean, no. if, I want, if I wanted to have a nose with a point well, out the end, yeah, no, you, you can get it. yeah, but we're not going. Government's not going to pay for it. <laughs> All right, let, let's talk a little bit about uh, about reality, because, uh, 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 you know, I, I absolutely agree with everything you've said. Uh, one of the things I've learned after being a cancer surgeon for 40 years is that uh, wishful thinking and, and happy talk are not reality always. Now, when the Affordable Care Act was uh, was established, we had a Democrat in the White House and we had the de democratic control of both houses of Congress. Uh, they had to bargain away the public option, which at the time I thought would have been a good thing, certainly better than what we got. And they ended up having to give uh, the for-profit insurance companies a medical loss ratio of 80%, while Medicare spends 2% on its administrative costs. They're for-profit insurance companies are able to get what eight or nine times that so what I, I i'm yeah i'm just trying to look down the roads just for the sake of discussion suppose uh biden wins and we take the senate back uh, do you really think that that we're going to be able to put all those things in and and ban for-profit health insurance companies. Let me just differ a little with your premise. Um, you know, we were very active around single payer in 2009 and 2010, which was the year in which, you know, they were working on the Affordable Care Act. Yes. And it wasn't, they did not start off and then negotiate away. The Democrats started with a plan that made the concessions before it got started. The person who wrote this uh, bill, uh, the Affordable Care Act is named Liz Fowler. She comes from the insurance industry and uh, Max Baucus, the finance chair in the Senate, put her in charge of writing the bill. So it wasn't like the Democrats won't go payer and then they negotiated away all the good things. So uh, that's where what we have to do is persuade more of those people in the Congress that they cannot solve these problems. Here we are 10 years later and we have the same problems, 30 million without insurance and another 70 million or so who can't afford their care and a system that's busting at the seams because it costs double what the other countries pay. That reality has to be impressed upon Democrats and Republicans that we need a solution and that there is no solution 
that includes the private insurance industry. So that's just my perspective on it. Well, well let me, let me, uh, we actually, uh, in our last program, I told a story about a uh, surgeon in Louisville who, uh, as he, after he had retired from practice, ran for office uh, for state legislature. And Gene uh, remembered that he, 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 was a, he, was in a, he was in the House, not, not in the Senate. And uh, he gave a talk at the Louisville Surgical Society, and this this just speaks to your 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 issue. I agree with you, uh, but what he said he said a number of things. Uh, first thing he said was that you know making laws was like making uh, uh, making sausage, and I'm not going to dwell on that. But the other thing he said was that the politicians uh, uh, almost to a man uh, unless they have a medical background really don't have any understanding of health care they just simply don't understand it and they rely heavily on lobbyists and that's that's what i mean about the reality of getting something like this done with all the pieces that that, that you and garrett have have mentioned which I absolutely agree with. I just don't know where that's how that's going to come out when 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 you get into the the, the sausage making process. Well, we're getting into campaign finance reform and corruption in government, and uh, I've written about that in the past. Uh, a system carefully shielded and supported by politicians who are rewarded with millions for their election campaign chess. In the first six months, nine, the health industry lobby, which then outnumbered members of Congress six to one, the industry lobby outnumbered the Congress six to one, spent $1.4 million a day 1.4 million dollars a day to influence health reform legislation. No surprise that the health care law of 2010 was written for and by <clears throat> the health insurance companies. And in one of your recent uh, good conversations, Gene and, and Mike, um, uh, here's a point. There's a revolving door between Congress and the for-profit health industry. In 2003, Billy Towson, a Louisiana congressman, and I remember this. I remember he that kept too. the Congress open until three o'clock in the morning, twisting arms, and after co-authoring the so-called Medicare Modernization Act, left Congress to become CEO of Pharma at a salary of two million dollars a year. Yes, I remember that well. That's why, that's why I'm bringing this up. Those are the reality <laughs> issues that, yeah. like it or not, are out there. And, and yeah. I, 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 I mean, Gene and I are here because we believe in this stuff. Okay. But at the same time, we, we have had to deal with reality. When you take a knife and open up somebody's belly, you deal with what's inside. It's not exactly what you, how you would like to have had it. You have to just deal with the stuff that's there. And so uh, I've got some real concerns about how this is going to end up. Hopefully, it'll end up the way you, you, with all those pieces that you mentioned earlier. But um, uh, it, it, that's a, that's a, that's a heavy load to hoe in in this in this country with the 
type of Citizens United uh, decisions that the Supreme Court are making. Yeah. yeah. One of the other issues is the for-profit health industry, particularly the for-profit insurance industry, is tending to get into the administration of uh, health care rather than just being liable for it. Uh, for example, the Advantage plans where they get paid so much by the federal government uh, to uh, run uh, a, a system. And then also a lot of companies have gone to self-insurance where the, uh, the health insurance companies are administering the plan, but the health insurance company is not really liable for the plan. Um, and more and more uh, for-profit uh, insurance companies are becoming very interested in this. You're right, Gene. I mean, you know, the, the big money maker now for the insurance industry is Medicare and Medicaid. And all of that's been contracted out uh, through Medicare Advantage so that their big money is coming by scamming, you know, skimming off uh, the public tax dollars. And uh, we really, that's what we have to do is get them out of the mix so that the money can go for the care because uh, that's where Humana's big money is from, is from the privatization of Medicare and these Medicare Advantage plans that they're selling. And I just saw the figures. Um, we're paying $1,000 a year more uh, to for the Medicare Advantage plans than we are for the traditional Medicare. And uh, they're making big bucks off of it. And uh, somebody's getting rich and uh, uh, the system uh, needs an overhaul for Medicare. We need to save Medicare. You know, it's now projected that uh, in 2024, it's close to the brink and uh, the Medicare for all will save Medicare and fund it properly and expand its benefits and uh, benefit all the people who are currently under that program by making them eligible for more care. Well, let me ask you an, a similar uh, uh, <laughs> reality question about this process. Uh, do you think it's probable that this is, would be something that would happen as a one-step, one-shot event? Or do you think it is more likely that this would be some kind of an incremental step-by-step-by-step -by -step -by -step process that could take, I don't know, a couple of years? Uh, who, who knows? Uh, Japan, uh, who has a universal health care system, went through a process that took them 10 years to get to the point where they had basically universal health care and, and to similar to the to the to the the, the principles and the and the details and the services that that that, that Garrett outlined initially. Well, I'll just jump in and uh, ask for Kay's uh, uh, support. Um, and the uh, that's Japan. Taiwan, on the other hand, um, made their change fairly rapidly, and it's been very successful. Um, so, uh, but th th that's, th th those are the, you know, the Taiwan experience is the one that, that I could cite and it's been very, they've been very successful. Uh, uh, 
Yeah, but this isn't Taiwan. <laughs> That's the problem. The <coughs> countries are much more homogeneous well, than our country and smaller. Yeah. Again, I'm not opposed to this. But well, I, I you know, I, I, I understand. I understand where you're coming from. Yeah. And, and it's, um, it's uh, sometimes it's, and you know, and you've talked, uh, spoken before about Sisyphus push, pushing the rock up the hill. And that's, that's exactly <laughs> yeah. what we're doing. Or, yeah, or the, yeah, the mountain. In some ways. Uh, and over and over again. Uh, but, and, uh, the, I don't, the incrementalism doesn't help. It hurts. Uh, we went to Medicare in one fell swoop. It took 10 months to, uh, uh, for the country to actually uh, go into that other program. I know David Himmelstein, one of the physicians who wrote the PNHP plan, has a uh, picture of Wiley Coyote running up to the edge of this big uh, ravine and he has the cartoon says, you can't jump a ravine in two steps. And uh, that's absolutely true. I mean, you have to remove the private insurance industry. That's what's making it cost so much. That's what's denying us care. That's what has to happen. That step is no big deal once you get the political uh, 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 movement in motion. And every single person in this country outside of the insurance industry has an interest in making that happen. We all have bodies and we all have people we love who have bodies and we all need the care. And so that means that there is potentially much more movement on our side than there is on the other. And we have to build the understanding and work to make it happen. They don't have an answer. You know, Trump's still working. He hasn't yet put his plan out there that he's going to replace Obamacare with. <laughs> they don't. They don't have a plan. But again, they don't have one. Yeah, we're 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 getting back to this issue of the guy walking down the street here with the mask on and uh, you know on a backpack on his back. Just we understand these issues, but the now Gene out in Campbellsville in rural Kentucky, how much of an understanding? Do you think those people that were on the boat dock before you did your, 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 <laughs> before you did your sundown ski, you know, water, water on one ski, think really have some sort of understanding of what we're talking about here? Oh, I, I think very few people have understanding. As a matter of fact, I think most people in healthcare don't understand yes, it. Yeah. That's one of the reasons, uh, there's been so much profit in the uh, pharmaceutical industry and the health benefit managers and for-profit insurance is because they made it so complicated that we don't understand it and they're actually uh, making money on that. Um, and and uh, I've tried to understand it, but I still don't completely understand the whole program. And and neither neither does anyone because it's in too many silos, and there's too much secrecy. Kate, can you talk about uh, going to a single payer plan to address so many of the uh, disparities in healthcare in the country? How that might address those disparities? Well. That's true. I mean, one of the things we've seen in this pandemic is that the uh, the death rate from that disease is tragically double um, 
for the African-American community. So we have a system that doesn't work for many, many people in this country. And single payer, while I don't think it, you know, it doesn't solve every single <laughs> problem, the first thing is that we have to get everybody covered. And in a situation where there are no financial barriers and where they, we have uh, accessible uh, care in every part of our city and our country and um, that's what we have to have. I mean, it's like the foundation. The first step is you've got to get everybody covered. You know, right now, if you go on to Medicaid and then you get a new job and your income goes up, you'll get dropped from Medicaid if you go over the amount. We have a constant churn with people who become ineligible for their plan or they get laid off at their job and they don't have that plan and they buy an Obamacare plan and then they uh, uh, have another job and uh, it changes the amount of the subsidy. It's so complex. Let's just get everybody covered first. That's what single payer does in a system where patients and physicians are in charge of the decision-making for what treatments need to happen. And that will take us a long way to making it a more equal system. For instance, um, you know, we see in our city in Louisville, um, there are very few doctors and hospitals in the West End. They've all been moving to the East End. Everyone's building a new, new hospital out in the East End. Why? They're seeking the high paying private insurance that is in those areas. Once we have every single patient will be paid for equally, there will be no need to run away from an area. We, we should be able to have facilities in every part of our city uh, without a seeking of this private because Medicaid pays lower. I mean, Medicaid's been a godsend, but it's not good enough. There are real indignities in having your doctor paid less for your care than the doctor is paid by private insurance. And that puts you at a disadvantage. And we'll do away with all of that inequality that comes from having this private insurance and then other people having um, a public insurance such as Medicare and Medicaid. It'll all be equal. And that's the beginning of having a just healthcare system where we can really concentrate on having a healthy society and a healthy community. The current Medicare uh, system pays for about 80% of the costs of hospital, physician, whatever it is, the services. Mm -hmm. And that leaves the, uh, the, the patient with a 20% uh, responsibility. Uh, we, we, how does that fit into the Medicare for all? Would that just cover everything or would there be some component of no, no, whatever no. the costs are that would be uh, the patient would be responsible for? We're doing away with all of that gap need, no need for gap insurance and no, uh, no copays and deductibles. That's what we've got to remove. That's a part of what will give us a just system because these economic barriers are keeping people from being able to get care. It will pay 100%. And of course, in the hospitals, it, there's a global budgeting system so that, um, you know, the hospitals are supported by the system but not able to rip off the system. Uh, Garrett, um, 
how, how would physicians be treated? Would they still be in private practice or would most of them be working uh, for big systems or hospitals? Whichever, whichever they would choose. You know, that, it, it, it allows for that uh, so, so that private practice can continue, uh, and, uh, but, but not a, uh, as you, you pointed out, uh, no, no for-profit uh, uh, direct payment. You know, you, you, your payment comes from the, from the uh, system, from the National Health Program. Uh, <clears throat> we we haven't talked about the funding issue. Uh, I went to the I can't remember the who's the guy from. Uh, 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 I'm, I'm happy. Friedman. 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 Yeah, Gerald yeah. Friedman. Yeah, he was. He, he we. I had a good talk talk with him at your house. That was that was very interesting. He was an interesting, funny guy. Now, uh, that's a complicated process. And again, you know, trying to get to the, the guy down at the dock working with Gene's boat or somebody walking down the street here in front of the Hayburn building, getting to understand. We're a little short on time. We may have to come back and do this again, but can you kind of give us a, again, not for us so much as whoever's listening, a quick uh, five minute uh, summary of how this would be funded uh, the taxes, who, where, how, and because um, that's one of the issues that uh, uh, that the uh, opposition is going to bring up is that you're going to get taxed to death. I have a short summary from uh, Charlie Casper, uh, who's been studying this pretty carefully. Uh, and I can just just very very briefly uh, state that we would save upwards of six hundred billion annually by eliminating the health insurance companies, uh, and then additional uh, funding would come from uh, payroll taxes uh, levied on <clears throat> both employers and employees from five to six percent. Uh, and the maximum and minimum income levels would be negotiated for. And then a, a small tax on financial transactions such as stock and bond trans trades. Uh, and Friedman mentions generally about one half of a percent and <clears throat> that tax on unearned income and the taxes would be progressive taxes. There, that that is depending on 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 your your income. Uh, <clears throat> so the, these are the basic basic categories. Um, I, I've just read something of, about some plans that uh, on taxing that uh, Joe Biden has, which are pretty progressive as well. So, so any tax, any tax that is involved there will will be rel, you know, proportionate to your income. Well, Garrett and Kay, thank you very much. Uh, Mark is waving the five minute uh, the <laughs> message around, so I, I think we're probably he's going to cut us off soon. I'll pull our microphones if we don't let him finish up here. Well, I just had one final uh, question for Kay. 
And Kay, how can folks learn more about Kentuckians for single payer health care and become involved in this movement? Excuse me. Well, um, they can take a look at us on our website. It's kyhealthcare.org. Or they can email us at nursenpo at aol.com. We have um, meetings by internet on the first and third Thursdays of each uh, month, and we'd like to invite them to be a part of that. And um, they can uh, go to our website and get in touch with us, uh, kyhealthcare.org. And we need them because, uh, as uh, Mike says, there's a big opposition out there, and so we got to get a lot more weight of people on our side. Okay, Kay, and um, what about uh, Facebook and maybe some other platforms? Oh, we do have a Facebook page. Just search on uh, Kentuckians for Single Payer Healthcare. And um, we do Instagram and uh, we try to do Twitter. And uh, we would urge everyone to help us to uh, get out the word about our radio shows so that we can seek a broader audience as well. Uh, Kay, and I, I just want to uh, mention the sad news that uh, you shared this past weekend um, that um, Kevin Zees, who's been involved with uh, Dr. Margaret Flowers with single payer, uh, the movement for single payer and other movements, um, he unexpectedly passed. And um, I know forward listeners, forward radio listeners know Margaret and Kevin from their radio show, Clearing the Fog, that's heard here on Forward Radio. Um, any thoughts that you might have about Kevin's passing and, and uh, the whole efficacy? The whole movement has really lost a strong and vibrant advocate for single-payer health care. I remember when uh, Margaret was here, she did some grand rounds as a physician and, uh, you know, did the public meeting, but we had a demonstration at the Humana building and Kevin was there, you know, carrying the banner and uh, which said, uh, Humana workers, we've got your back and made the point about how uh, legislation will have to provide for ongoing income for the workers in that industry. And Kevin was, is, was just a brilliant person and very active, not only in the single payer movement, but also in the peace and for justice for uh, Latin American countries. So he will be deeply missed. And we are also sorry for the loss and uh, our hearts go out to Margaret because uh, she loved him very, very much. Thanks, Kay. I, I did go up to a uh, single-payer camp a couple years ago and got to spend a few days with Margaret and Kevin and was just amazed at their commitment and tireless efforts. I mean, in three days, we did a, uh, a demonstration on the seats on the streets of D.C. We did a demonstration in... Um, Senator Sanders' office to uh, advocate for a stronger Medicare for All bill and a uh, 
a demonstration um, uh, out in DC one evening. And I, I don't see where they, you know, they were on the clock all the time and it's, uh, it's such a loss. And uh, I'm with you. We, we just really want to send our condolences to, to Margaret uh, about her loss. Um, and just wrapping up, let me say that um, single payer radio can be heard here on Forward Radio WFMP 106.5 on Mondays at 2 p.m., Tuesdays at 7 a.m., and Wednesdays at 11 a.m. If you can't pick us up on your radio during those times, we have a live stream that you can listen to us, or you could go to Forward Radio SoundCloud account. And on uh, the Forward Radio Sound, or, or on the website, you can uh, click on the Programs tab and scroll down to single payer radio and listen you you'll see all the shows uh, that we've got on the air uh, this year and want to remind listeners don't forget about forward radio thursday september the 17th on give for good day that's uh, forwardradio.org okay uh, garrett thanks a million just really appreciate your insights and perspectives. Mike, Gene, thank you guys so much for making this happen. Well, good to be here. Good to be here. Okay. Thank you. Thank for, you. Th for Single Payer Radio, I'm Mark McKinley. Thank you.